0: Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, July 28th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, as school districts across the state make plans to reopen, a new survey shows less than 20% of Mississippi educators want to return to a traditional classroom in the fall amid concerns over the coronavirus pandemic. And as coronavirus cases continue to rise in the state, more Mississippi counties are expected to be added to the governor's mask mandate order, but no statewide order. Then a historic conservation and public lands bill passes Congress, providing billions of dollars to help repair the nation's crumbling national parks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. In the next few days and weeks, school districts across the state will begin opening their doors for the start of the fall school year. A new survey released by the Mississippi Association of Educators shows just 18.2 percent of those responding want to return to a traditional in-person school setting. Educators say they're fearful for their health and the health of their students during the coronavirus pandemic nearly 2,400 educators representing all 82 counties in the state responded to the survey. While the 18.2% support returning to the classroom, the rest of the survey results were mostly split between those advocating for virtual learning and those wanting a hybrid plan. All 138 school districts in the state have to submit their plans for how they'll educate students in the fall by the end of this week. Governor Tate Reeves says he'll review them and will over rule any district by issuing an executive order if he feels they're not acting in the best interest of students.
1: At this point the the local school districts have an an immense amount of flexibility uh, but uh, unlike the school year that just ended in 2019-2020 I do not anticipate that the State Department of Education is going to waive the 180-day rule and so for those Um, individuals who think that 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 there's not going to be repercussions or school going much longer than than what otherwise would occur in late 2000 or in the middle of 2021 um, I think that they've got to understand that 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 rule is not likely to be waived Uh, in addition to that we have seen a number of the the school district plans Uh, some of them look very good some of them do not um, you know, I find it just absolutely interesting that the, the, the teachers union, in, in effect, uh, has now decided that they want the state to make decisions. Uh, but what I will tell you is we're reviewing every, um, every report that's come in, and we're going to make a decision uh, later this week or early next week on what we think the best course of action is. What we may find is that there are enough school districts that have good, strong, solid plans in place. That we will, um, uh, that, that we we won't have to opine on it. Uh, we won't. We prefer for every school district to have a good, solid plan that gets kids back in school in a safe, responsible way. Now, some of now, again, I haven't personally reviewed all of these yet, but some of the anecdotal evidence that I've been hearing, um, the, the, there appears to be a, a lot of shall we say, a lot, a, a lot of work left to do in many of the school districts based upon the plans that they have submitted. What I am committed to is I am committed to making sure that every kid has an opportunity to learn in 2020-2021 and that every plan that every school district has submitted gives every kid the opportunity to uh, see academic improvement uh, in both the short, the intermediate, and the long term. And so I do not have, I do not want to issue any executive orders. I do not want to use my emergency powers uh, to ensure that is the case. I want to have confidence in our local school boards to make the best decisions for Mississippi kids. Uh, but I am I cannot sit idly by while some school districts are educating kids and others do not have plans in place uh, that can both protect the kids as well as make sure that they are seeing academic progress.
0: The Mississippi chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics and the Mississippi State Medical Association issued a statement over the weekend calling for schools to delay reopening at least until September 1st to allow for mandatory um to allow time for reduced COVID-19 transmission. They're also calling for mandatory masks in school buildings and that all children be given the option of virtual learning. Dr. John Goday is a pediatrician in Hattiesburg. He says they're not only concerned about the health of children, but that of teachers, staff, and coaches.
2: When we see a spike uh, or very high transmission of COVID-19 in the community, we feel like it's best for members of the community, to begin doing the things that they need to do in order to flatten that curve and to stop transmission in the community, which includes, of course, social distancing, wearing masks, and using a uh, hand sanitizer, and avoiding social gatherings. And we feel like that those strategies are not being employed right now to the degree that they need to be. And another key point is the school's don't have not yet received the resources that they need financially in order to purchase the supplies that they need to purchase. And uh, of course, when you keep children separated six feet apart or um, um, uh, wearing masks and so forth, it, it requires extra square footage, extra staffing. We need to have good ventilation and filtration and of the airflow in those school rooms and we need to get the ball rolling on those mitigation strategies, which, quite frankly, cost money. Also, and uh, the
0: issue of school buses and the close proximity uh, well, of students in that school bus.
2: Correct. And some children will be able to use alternate forms of transportation, uh, but not all children will be, have that option available to them and so yes if you keep children cohorted with within their family and separated on the school bus and again keep the windows down for airflow and ventilation uh, but don't overcrowd the school bus that also takes time extra time in the morning and um, and and financial resources are necessary for mitigation.
0: I've heard some conflicting information about young students being less likely to transmit covid-19 is that correct it's a,
2: it, the science is evolving on this so we're learning more day to day so anything that you know we learn today is likely to change in the future but it is true children smaller children under 10 at least have a reduced ability to to catch Coronavirus or COVID-19 infection at school and also a reduced ability to transmit coronavirus at school. Now, older kids and teenagers, uh, their bodies are more closer to that of an adult. And they, uh, the ability to receive or transmit coronavirus is similar to that of an adult.
0: The joint statement that was put out by your organization and the Mississippi State Medical Association said you're asking for schools to talk with you, to contact you before they consider reopening school is that so you can talk to them about the mitigation that you just discussed with me or are there other aspects you want those school districts to focus on before they reopen?
2: Correct. So what we recommended is, is we, and we've been calling for pediatricians to get involved with their local school districts. There's over 160 school districts in Mississippi representing, uh, you know, uh, uh, many more schools and nearly a half a million children. But there's maybe, I guess, five to eight hundred pediatricians and pediatric subspecialists in Mississippi. So there may not be a pediatrician in every school district, but I do think I love the idea of school nurses, doctors, and teachers collaborating for, to, uh, to, to figure out what's best in your area to educate the children and to protect the health of the children in that area. So, yeah, we would like for all three of those groups to be working together.
0: The recommendation also includes a statement about allowing children to attend school virtually without having a medical reason. Correct. Can you expand on that a little bit, why that's important to you?
2: If you looked at the number of reasons why families want their children to attend school virtually, they are quite numerous. Maybe... It's a health condition for the child. Maybe it's a health condition for a family member. Many, many reasons. Maybe some families may feel like um, they have the, the bandwidth and the computer equipment and so forth to where or their children learn well in a virtual environment. So why not to save the space for someone else who has to be there in person? So really, you can't really pin it down. To say that somebody should go to school virtually only if they have an underlying medical condition is really not the best approach. There are many reasons why children can and should learn virtually if possible. But I think every child should at least have the option for it in Mississippi.
0: There are some school districts already who have pushed the start date of school into September. Now last week Dr. Dobbs, the state health officer during a press briefing said that if there isn't a big change now it'll actually be worse in September. Do you have any idea how long we kick this can down the road before it is safe for students and teachers to return to the school?
2: I don't want to kick the can down the road. I want to delay the start of school entry while Mississippians implement the things that Dr. Dobbs says that we need to be doing, which is not going to social gatherings and wearing masks and exercising good hand hygiene. We're not doing those things. Yes. If we, all we're doing is delaying the start of school then all we're doing is delaying the start of school, but we need to delay the start of school and implement those strategies and come up with the financial resources that the schools need in order to be able to implement the mitigation strategies to keep our kids healthy we have to prioritize the education and the health of our children and if all we're going to be doing is delaying then we're not prioritizing the health and education of our children.
0: Dr. John Godet is a pediatrician in Hattiesburg thank you so much for being with us Dr. Godet.
2: It's my pleasure thank you.
0: Several school districts across the state are already revising their plans for the fall. Jackson Public Schools, the state's second largest school district, has now decided to go all virtual for fall. The Madison County School District is delaying its start date to September 3rd because of the rising COVID-19 cases. State Health Officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs supports delaying the opening of schools if people follow the guidelines to reduce the number of coronavirus cases.
3: If you have a, a classroom that doesn't that has space for kids to to be apart, and there's masks, and there's a good plan, um, using some of the sort of guidances that we've shared, um, I think you know that that makes it a lot easier to open up without as as many concerns. Um, I will just say right now there are too many cases for us to all feel comfortable. There's too much transmission in the community. There are going to be when you, when kids open up when when we open up schools if we're not careful, a dozen, two dozen kids walking through the door are going to be contagious the day that school starts at every school. And there's nothing you can do about it because that's just what's going on in the community. So it's really important for us to take this opportunity right now. The incubation period for the virus is such that if we really knuckle down for a couple of weeks and really let our communities have a breather so that there's not so much transmission going on and our kids are not getting infected – it's going to make it so much safer for kids to go to school, and and for the teachers and for the families of the kids. So, um, not an easy answer. I don't think there's a number that we would feel feel good about. I, the number we have right now is not a comfortable number. Um, and then, but the other side of that equation is, what are you doing? I mean, clearly, you can't have football stands full of people right now. That would be absolutely disastrous. Um, and um, but you you might be able to have um, you know some other school environments that are going to be safer if you. The distancing, the masks, and the hand-washing and the order make a big difference. Um, But I think it's going to be an ongoing collaborative effort, and we'll be very happy to kind of help give that guidance um, with the school systems.
0: Coming up, as coronavirus cases continue to rise in the state, more Mississippi counties are expected to be added to the governor's mask mandate order. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippi is still battling the deadly coronavirus. The number of cases in the state has passed 52,000, and more than 1,500 people have died from the virus since March. 29 of Mississippi's 82 counties are mandated to wear a mask while in public gatherings. Governor Tate Reeves is expected to add nine more counties to the order this week. He says these counties are having surges in new coronavirus cases. The Mississippi State Medical Association... Can- Continues to call for a statewide mask mandate to reduce the virus transmission, but Governor Reeves says he's taking a more surgical approach.
1: We have to be very smart about convincing Mississippians that wearing a mask is the right thing to do. Now, keep in mind that back in March, uh, the World Health Organization and a lot of other otherwise really smart people said that wearing a mask would do you no good. And so that being the case, there is a segment of our population that is naturally skeptical that this or any other measure uh, will, will actually uh, have any effect on the spread of the virus. And so what I believe is uh, it is my job to go about uh, dealing with this virus and making decisions for the state that are well-reasoned, that are well-thought-out, and that ultimately lead to the most possible Mississippians adhering to measures that have the most likely impact that we want them to have. In other words, we want as many people as possible wearing masks in public, staying socially distancing, staying away from uh, other people in large crowds, and I believe that this surgical approach of naming counties based upon an objective criteria is the best way for us to get the maximum amount of participation in Mississippi. Now, keep in mind, I understand that a lot of you think we can just snap our finger and all of a sudden 100% of the people will comply and, and everything will be great.
0: As intensive care units fill up at hospitals in Mississippi, state health officials are considering opening pop-up facilities to provide more beds for coronavirus patients. However, they say the quality of care at those facilities won't be what people are used to. On Monday, nine of Mississippi's largest hospitals didn't have any intensive care beds. State health officer Thomas Dobbs says he's personally been calling COVID-19 patients to get a sense of how they contracted the virus. He says, 80% of them
3: are through social gatherings where people let down their guard. It might be a funeral. It might be an extended family get-together. You're not going to wear a mask around your cousin who comes in from out of town. Um, it's going to be with nephews. It's going to be going to maybe a, a close friend's birthday party. It, those sorts of things are what we're seeing. So it's not even so much nuclear family Someone unless someone goes out and goes to a social event and brings it back. Um, We'll try to do more and more sort of numerical analysis, but the social gatherings really do seem to be getting us. Of course, there are work exposures and things like that, but, but it's the social gatherings where we let our guard down, and we feel like, ah, it's appropriate for me to be more personal, to breathe other people's air, to touch other people. Um, and, these, and sometimes they're not very large gatherings. Sometimes it's 5, 10, 15 people. So it's not like it's a massive group of folks. So really just please be very careful right now. Um, mostly stick to your own nuclear family as much as you can. And if you're around other people, remember, there's a good chance that one of those folks has coronavirus. So we need to take every precaution while we, we get through this, this current surge so that we can hopefully be in a better spot in the next few weeks.
0: Coming up, a historic conservation and public lands bill passes Congress to help repair the nation's crumbling national parks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
1: Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. Join me on Mile Marker, a Mississippi Roads podcast about the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app. And of course, all of MPB's other great podcasts are there too. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. Coming August 1st to your favorite podcasting app.
0: This is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. President Donald Trump is expected to sign a bill that would provide billions of dollars to fix the aging infrastructure of the National Park Service, Forest Service and Land and Water uh, Water Conservation Fund. It's being called one of the most important environmental proposals in decades. In Mississippi, there are about eight national parks, and the Natchez Trace Parkway alone needs about $290 million for infrastructure repairs. Teresa Pierno is with the National Parks Conservation Association.
4: Well, for years, um, our national parks have really been operating on the shoestring budget. And while staffing has decreased, visitor numbers are skyrocketing. And they're really reaching a breaking point. And the park system's maintenance backlog now has reached $12 billion. Uh, So you've got crumbling roads and issues with trails and restrooms and visitor centers. And some of our largest national parks, Grand Canyon's water system that was built during World War II, is falling apart, which supplies drinking water for millions of visitors. Places in Mississippi, um, which has more than 326 million in needed repairs. You've got Natchez Trace Parkway, a beautiful scenic roadway that runs through Mississippi that has issues with, you know, biking and horsing and riding trails and needs about 290 million in repairs. And Vicksburg, Vicksburg National Military Park is is in disrepair and has much deferred maintenance. In fact, about 26.4 million Need to repair the park's roads and historic homes and battlefields, uh, which is a critically important cultural site. And this bill would direct about six and a half billion over five years to address repairs in national parks across the country and also create about a hundred thousand in really important infrastructure jobs. So it's really a win win situation.
0: I was astounded when I read that, that there are five million jobs through all of the national parks in the country. It's incredible. And parks generate
4: uh, in the economy and the revenue annually about $40 billion. Um, so they really are these economic engines that do so much
0: for the local economy. You said the money would be over a five-year period. When would be the earliest uh, that that money would be received? Many you know, of these
4: projects, in fact, I would say most of them are shovel-ready. And so uh, as soon as it's signed into law, they would be able to move forward and prepare and um, be able to start these projects very soon. Is there any doubt that it would be signed into law? Well, you know, we've got to get through the House. Uh, It passed the Senate last month with overwhelming bipartisan support. The vote was 73 to 25. Um, And now the House has the opportunity to pass the bill next week and You know, for over a decade, the National Parks Conservation Association, our park advocates, local elected officials, businesses, um, have been really urging lawmakers to make a strong investment in our national parks, and we're closer than we've ever been. But we really need all of your supporters and listeners to, you know, contact Congress and let them know that we want them to pass the act
0: now. Teresa, prior to this pandemic, are there any parks that have had to close because of infrastructure failures, safety issues? Parks have had to close sections of parks or buildings in parks, historic buildings. Um, You
4: know, Indiana Dunes is a good example of where they've had to close historic buildings. Uh, There are many examples like that across the system um, where they just had to, you know, limit visitors in certain areas um, because of the situation, the unsafe condition.
0: And what's that website? One more time, please. That's npca.org backslash fixourparks. Teresa Perrineau is the president and CEO of the National Parks Conservation Association. Thank you so much, Teresa. Well, thank you for having me. The bill provides $6.5 billion over five years to restore national parks. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Stay tuned for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Money Talks. Then at 10, it's In Legal Terms. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking. Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online by visiting mpbonline.org. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition only on MPB Think Radio.